podcast. I'm glad you're here. Today's episode is part of the Private Practice Possibility Series, where we talk to some amazing SLPs who have had a dream to create their own private practices, and they are making it happen. Join us as we chat about their stories, their dreams, and how they made it happen. Hello, Ebony Green. Happy to have you on our podcast today. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you today. So you and I have a friend in Kama, Jenna Castro-Caspan, and she said you were an absolute rock star. So I'm excited to interview you today and see why. She is amazing. I have to say Jenna is such a great mentor. So I'm really flattered that she said that about me because um, I admire her so much. She has accomplished so much and has contributed so much to the field of SLPs, especially those of us in private practice. So um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, you know, be amongst the group of um, influential SLPs that you're interviewing. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. And this podcast is all about collaboration and making the world a better place, not for those, only those we work with, but for each other as well, just supporting and, and encouraging one another. I'm excited to interview you today. You are part of the Private Practice Possibilities. And as I'm learning about you, I'm thinking, my God, Gosh, there are so many, so many dimensions of questions I could ask about you. Um, tell us about yourself and your private practice. Sure. So my name is Ebony Green. I'm a speech language pathologist in Gilbert, Arizona. It's a small suburb outside of Phoenix. Um, I've been an SLP for two years, but I've been in the field for eight. I was an SLPA for a few years before I became an SLP. And I am a former K-12 teacher, so I taught bilingual second grade, third grade, and I also taught high school Spanish um, for four years before I transitioned into speech. That's a wonderful background. Yes, yeah, so that's the kind of, you know, my background with education and with my job history. But as far as um, I'm sure you want to know more about my private practice, um, the name of my practice is Casa Speech Therapy. And um, we provide home health, we have a clinic, and we also have contracts with local schools in our area. Um, We serve about 150 to 175 patients per week. Um, Again, it could be in home or in clinic, depending on um, the preference and the needs of the client. And um, we've been around for about two years. So ever since I became an SLP, I got started with private practice right away. And um, we are just so happy that um, we've been able to grow over the past two years um, to where we are right now. We, we serve patients pretty much um, throughout the state, um, and we have students that we serve via teletherapy as well throughout the state. Uh, take a step backwards. I have a lot of listeners on here who are S, who want to be SLPAs, and they don't know if they're going to stay in the SLPA world or step into the SLP world. How did you decide to step up into the SLP world? So what made me step up into the SLP world was just knowing that there were so many possibilities in um, becoming an SLP. I was content as an SLPA and I feel like I learned a lot, but I remember sitting in my first semester of graduate school 
and thinking, oh my gosh, there's so much about this field that I didn't even know as an SLPA. And so I was really grateful that I decided to make that transition to become an SLP because it really just gave me so much more knowledge about, um, you know, treatment and um, just interacting with patients and learning how to um, independently, you know, work as an SLP. So um, it was more for me just the opportunities that were available as an SLP. And it was a big sacrifice. It took me eight years to finish my, um, to get a master's in, in speech. Um, I started out because I was in a different field, having to take leveling courses. And um, I lived in the state of Texas at that time. Halfway through my leveling courses, I, I relocated. And so I had to then take even more courses because they're not all the same courses um, in every state that are required before you can apply to graduate school. So um, it was a very long process to become an SLP, but it was so worth it because I have so much more opportunity now as an SLP. And I'm, you know, worked my dream job. I have my dream job now as an SLP in private practice, which would not be possible if I would have remained in SLPA. That's what I've noticed when I have interviewed speech pathologists who are in the private practice. You guys are living your dream jobs, doing what you want to do, directing your hours and your pay and the clients you pick up. It's, it's inspirational. Did you have a tough time launching right into private practice from grad school? Because that's, that's unusual. Um, you know, honestly, I did not have a tough time at all because I was an SLPA for so many years before I, you know, became an SLP and I had really good mentors. I encourage any SLPA or SLP even who's new in the field to have a good mentor. You need someone that's going to help you um, navigate where you want to go in your career and you need someone that's going to be honest with you and who's going to be invested in your success. So my mentor, she was a private practice owner, very successful. Um, she even had her own programs for different disorders that she developed and that were published. And so just learning from her, I mean, she literally sat me down and taught me everything she knew about be, becoming um, a school clinician. And I got to see how she ran her clinic day to day. So that really helped, um, you know, provide me that extra boost that I needed as a brand new SLP um, to start my own practice. How did you find her? We um, connected because I did my um, my observation hours at her practice as an SLPA. <laughs> and she was actually a part of my life through the whole journey of, um, you know, when I first moved to Arizona, I didn't even know where to look. Right. And I just happened to call. And at first they told me, no, they, they didn't have any um, availability for students. And then I got called back maybe two months later. And so ever since then, I just kind of, stayed in touch with her. We still talk now. We're more, um, you know, before she was obviously my supervisor and now we're kind of bouncing ideas off of each other, which is pretty cool to see that, um, that transition. And um, yeah, I just think that having a good mentor will definitely help you get to where you want to go. And I don't recommend you always consider that to be your supervisor because sometimes supervisors are just there to kind of check the boxes, unfortunately. So we want to make sure that we have someone in our life who's seasoned and who knows um, how to get you to where you want to be um, in your career. So having a mentor has been wonderful and, and a key to your success. What else has been a key to your success? Because you've scaled your private practice quickly. 
Yes, I have. Um, so the key to, to my success besides having a great mentor is just really focusing on, um, you know, my, my biggest goal was to reach as many clients as I could and um, focusing more on that than, you know, trying to be the biggest practice or trying to be the, um, the most well-known practice um, because that will come eventually, right? Um, but if you're focused on being able to just reach as many clients as you can, provide the best quality services that you can, then, um, you know, eventually your name gets out there, people hear about you, um, and you start getting these opportunities that you didn't even know would come to you. Um, the first opportunity that I got that kind of helped my private practice was I got a contract with the uh, state-funded Medicaid program here in Arizona. And so through that contract, I've been able to have access to patients all over the state that need our services. Um, I've been very strategic about hiring and making sure that we can provide those services um, as best as we can with quality clinicians. So there are other practices in my area that also have these contracts, but there are practices that have like a hundred therapists. Mm. My practice only has 20 therapists because I want, I'm, I'm more concerned with quality over quantity. And so, um, you know, that opportunity of being able to reach these clients through that contract then turned into um, people who received services from us, who, um, you know, were a part of other organizations. Uh, we also got a contract with a nonprofit agency to provide baby sign language classes and parent education classes mm -hmm. for language. So those are things that, you know, I didn't anticipate before, but I was flexible and I was willing to do it if it meant reaching more people. Um, the other opportunity that kind of fell into my lap along this journey was the opportunity to provide teletherapy long before COVID started with the rural school district. Um, a colleague of mine reached out on Facebook and asked if anyone could provide services to her district because they were in desperate need. They did not have an SLP. School had already begun and there was about 75 students not getting services. And so I reached out and just, you know, threw it out there. I said, I, I definitely can't move to your city because you're three hours away. But if you guys want teletherapy, I'm willing to explore that option. In the back of my mind, though, I knew that it would be something that I would really have to, like, learn really quickly how to do because I'd never done teletherapy before. And so she reached out and said, um, we really need somebody. So, yes, we'll do teletherapy. And I was like, okay. <laughs> So then I kind of hit the ground running, um, doing as much research as I could about teletherapy. Again, this was pre-COVID. So there was not, you know, all these resources and Facebook groups. And it was literally just kind of, you know, one or two people on the internet that had some resources out there. But I was able to set up teletherapy for that school um, within a week of um, getting the contract. And we provided services for um, 75 students in rural Arizona. So again, my focus was not on, you know, becoming the most popular therapist with the biggest practice and the most therapists. It was literally just how can we reach more people? And so that has now turned into, we have five, uh, five additional schools with that district providing teletherapy today. And we have two other schools that we also provide therapy with. So everything has kind of, you know, revolved around just my, my whole vision to reach more people. Um, I'm also a bilingual SLP, 
So, you know, when I started my practice, I really wanted to appeal to families that need services in Spanish or that need a clinician who speaks Spanish because it is, I've sat in meetings before with families who, you know, they, they desperately want to know um, the test scores or things that, you know, you would normally expect to understand if you're being told that information in your native language, but if someone's speaking a different language, you have no idea what, what, you know, how to interpret some of this clinical jargon that we use or the way that we interpret test scores. So it was, it, my heart, you know, just went out to those families um, as a clinician in the school, seeing that. And I was always able to interpret when I could as an SLPA, but um, as an SLP, I was like, I definitely want to make sure that I, you know, reach out to those families or market to those families. So my name, the name of my practice is Casa Speech Therapy which means house in Spanish. We've been doing home health long before we started with our school. So that's where CASA came from. And um, yeah, that's just kind of how our, our journey, you know, evolved into what it is today. So you have passion, you have vision. Yes. You mentioned that word several times. You have a mindset and you also are really looking for those opportunities. Absolutely. And I tell anybody in private practice, these opportunities will only go to someone else. So if you know that you want to grow and you want to scale, then you kind of have to just go for it. And a lot of times it is scary, but you just have to do it scared. So for somebody wanting to start in private practice, what words of advice would you have for them? My advice is just um, to be flexible and to know that it's a journey that changes all the time. Um, COVID was a huge change to a lot of our businesses. For me, I had just moved into my clinic. My goal was to get a brick and mortar within the first two years of my private practice opening. On my one-year anniversary of, of owning my practice, I moved into my brick and mortar. And we had to close the clinic uh, four weeks later. So I moved in February 15th. March 15th, we had to stop seeing patients here. In the state of Arizona, we have some of the highest numbers when it comes to COVID. And so we really had to take the proper precautions and just stop seeing patients here altogether. We are slowly starting to open back up. But um, again, just you just have to be flexible in private practice and know that um, your success is going to be highly dependent on how flexible you can be and how... Um, how much you want your company to be successful. You know, there's not a day that I don't work, even though people assume, oh, when you're the owner of the practice, you don't work as much as everybody else who's out there doing the uh, work. I have 20 contractors that, um, that provide services in homes and in schools, but I'm still present at every level of the business from the therapy to the billing to, you know, the intake of patients, I'm, I'm present. So, um, you know, you just have to know that it's something that's going to change every single day. Not, not one day looks the same for me. Every day looks different just depending on what comes up. I was just going to ask you what a typical day looks like for you, but it, it must change. Yes, it does change quite frequently. I mean, the, the hours that I work pretty much are consistent. I'm, I'm up at 7 a.m. and I'm usually closing my computer at 7 p.m. Um, usually I'll have dinner, you know, with my family and then work for a little bit more. Um, but just for example, you know, today we start therapy with um, 
five of the schools that we're doing teletherapy with. Today was our first day for services. And I get a text at, what time was that? 10 o'clock last night from a therapist saying that she had to go to the hospital. She's not going to be able to be uh, present mm-hmm. for an IEP meeting. You know, so now I have to figure out who's going to be through that IEP meeting. I get a phone call this morning at 6 a.m. saying that their Zoom link isn't working. So, um, you know, the, the hours are pretty much the only thing that stays the same <laughs> early early morning and late night. But I, I love what I do. Um, I'm really passionate about my business. And um, I'm really passionate about the people that work for my business because I know that they all have, you know, families and they all have um, things that they want to do in their careers. And I just want to support them you know, the best way that I can. So if that means providing um, opportunities to collaborate as a staff frequently, you know, we do that a lot because if you're working home health or if you're working as a contractor, you don't really get that collaboration, but we try to do that with our therapists as much as possible. Um, we also provide um, opportunities for continuing education. Um, and I just, you know, I, I know all of my therapists very well. We all know each other very well um, because I want them to succeed as well. And I know that my company providing them employment um, is super important for the advancement of, again, their careers and just being able to feed their families. Do you have a story of success that you could share with us? Yes. So my story of success, honestly, is just um, the journey that I took to get to where I am now as an SLP with a private practice. Um, When I started this journey. I was a classroom teacher. Um, I love teaching, but I always felt like there were students that were falling between the cracks. And it was just very appealing to me to be able to help those students more on a one-on-one level. And so when I would have students that would get pulled out for interventions, you know, it always made me feel good to know that someone is there to help those students. And um, after talking to the school SLP a few times, when she, find out, when she found out I was bilingual, she's like, you know what, you need to go back to school and get your master's and become an SLP because you would be such an asset to these students. So, um, you know, it was a long journey. Like I mentioned before, it took me several years. I started with the leveling courses. And then when I got into graduate school, I, was, I had my first child. So I had to learn how to balance motherhood and being a student. And it was very difficult. Um, just the whole journey, you know, sometimes I feel like this is not going to work. It's not going to be possible. Um, and then when I, I remember when I took the praxis, <laughs> my son, who was probably like 11 months, 12 months at the time, woke up crying nonstop from 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. Or 12, yeah, 12 in the morning to 4 in the morning. And I had to take the test at 8 a.m. And I was just like, oh my gosh, these past you know, six years that it took me to get to this point are going to mean nothing when I fail this test tomorrow. And so um, luckily I passed. <laughs> but just, you know, the, the journey was just, it was just a very difficult journey um, as a mom. And I was working part-time as an SLPA. Um, and I was feeling, you know, almost a little bit resentful um, because, you know, my husband, who we've been married for 12 years, um, and, you know, we're, we're a, a very happy couple, but as a woman and as a mother, you know, sometimes we have to put our careers on hold to tend to our families and, and become a mother. And so it was difficult for me because I thought when he got his master's degree, it was like, you know, just go to school and just focus on that. Um, 
but luckily, you know, with the grace of God, I was able to make it through. Um, and now I'm able to work my dream job. So the sacrifices were, there was a lot of them, but it was definitely worth it. It was um, something that, you know, taught me a lot about myself for sure going through that journey. And that's just my, that's, that's what honestly my biggest success. I won't say it's owning a private practice. I think it's going through that whole journey of getting to where I am today. Was being an African-American SLP, tell us about that journey. So being an African-American SLP um, presented its challenges. For one, I was the only African-American student in my graduate school cohort. So it was kind of difficult for me to um, feel included at times and like I belonged. Um, but my, my cohort was great. You know, I had some people that I connected with and that actually reached out to me, which was nice because I was a little bit, um, I wasn't used to that. I wasn't used to just being the only person that looked like me, you know, um, in a setting I, where I, um, where, where I went to school when I was in high school, I was at a very diverse high school. Um, in fact, I grew up in a very, um, poor area of town and, um, with a lot of immigrants and my mother is an immigrant as well. Um, she, you know, she had an eighth grade education. And, um, so we lived in a, a very, uh, I had a humble beginning, let's just say that. And so, um, I wasn't used to just being in settings where I was the only person that was black and, um, going into grad school, it was, it was similar to my undergrad experience actually, but it felt even more isolating because it was just, there was just 25 of us. So it wasn't like I was able to go and um, find my group like I did in undergrad um, because it was just us, it was the 25 of us. But like I said, there were some um, of my colleagues that I was able to um, connect with and I would study with. It was also isolating because I, I was a mom, so I was an untraditional, non-traditional student. But anyway, back to being an African-American SLP, I found it most challenging when I was working, um, actually as an SLPA, um, my first couple of experiences on the job, I received some pushback from parents. Um, some of them thought I was not qualified to provide the services that um, their students were supposed to be receiving. I've had instances of parents in meetings asking me to show them my credentials um, and I would be sitting right next to my supervisor who they didn't ask that information or ask for that information. Um, I've been in situations where I've been corresponding with um, the administrators and then when they finally meet me in person, they would say, oh, I didn't know that Ebony was actually Ebony, meaning they didn't know that yeah. I was Black because Ebony means Black and that's my name. Wow. So... Those were things that were, you know, kind of shocking to me, but I realized that where I live now in Arizona, there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of black SLPs. I think I'm the only black SLP that I know <laughs> in, in my area for sure. So um, it's just something I've learned to live with, but I'm, you know, I like that I'm able to share this now because at the time it was really difficult to mm -hmm. think, wow, like, People don't trust me. They don't believe that I'm actually what I say I am. And um, now I look back on it and I'm like, okay, this is now that I have this successful private practice, people can actually see that, yes, I'm an African-American SLP and this is, and it's possible for me to own a practice and run a business. 
So I'm grateful for that. Excellent. 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 Last question. Um, if you were to do this all over again, what is the first thing you would do? If I were to do this all over again, um, I honestly think I would do exactly what I did. You know, at times I regretted not going into speech before I became a teacher. And I thought, oh, I could have been so much further along in my career. But I will tell you that the experience that I had as a teacher really helped me with what I do now, running a business, um, managing people. Because as a teacher, you're managing 30 kids, you know, in a classroom that have all different needs and all different um, personalities and different ways that they um, connect with you and communicate with you. So that has truly helped me uh, learn how to run a business, learn how to be a manager. It's also helped me to understand that, um, you know, the services that we provide are very important, not just for, you know, the, the students' um, ability to communicate, but academically. Like these students need our services so that they can be caught up with their peers because they're getting left behind. So that has really shaped who I am as an SLP, that, that four-year experience as a teacher. But at first I did feel like I was delayed in getting started in my career as a speech and pathologist because of that. Um, however, I don't look at it that way anymore. I look at it as it was a huge benefit. Also, I, I realized that, you know, I'm, one of my gifts is teaching. And so I now teach SLPs how to get contracts with schools, which is something that kind of came out of nowhere um, during this whole COVID pandemic. I started noticing a ton of practices were struggling with um, paying their rent if they had a brick and mortar or just being able to, you know, survive with having enough clients to, you know, get a paycheck. And so I thought to myself, you know, I, I was really blessed that even though I had to close my clinic to patients four weeks after we opened, I'm still here. We're still able to make the mortgage or I'm sorry, the rent payments. And um, we haven't had to reduce anyone's hours. We did see a reduction in clients. Um, 25 of our 150 clients decided to put services on hold or to stop services. But um, one of the biggest reasons that we were able to do this was because we had contracts with schools that brought in a lot of revenue um, that I didn't expect, honestly, because I didn't even expect to go into school contracts. But that extra revenue and, you know, just having that consistent revenue really helps secure my business. It really helps scale my business to the point where I was still able to, you know, pay my therapist. Nobody had to get laid off. Nobody had to get their contract terminated. And I was even able to um, help my administrative assistant with some of her expenses, you know, that she had to worry about because of COVID and just a reduction and um, some of her work hours. We, we, you know, had to reduce hours at first, but then we ended up paying her more than what she normally makes because of that. So anyway, um, I'm now teaching SLPs how to get school contracts. I have a coaching and consulting business. It's called SLPs Contracts to Coins. Contracts is focusing on the aspect of getting a, a school contract or a government contract. 
and then coins, obviously we all want to get paid, right? So that's why um, we seek out these opportunities to help scale our businesses. And um, it's been very nice to tap into that teaching skill that I've always been passionate about um, since I became a teacher. So anyway, um, you know, this is what, it's what has kept my business afloat is the school contracts and the government contract that we have. And I want to teach other SLPs how to get these opportunities because um, number one, you already have the skills and the knowledge to do it. And the people who are out there getting these contracts are people who have no idea what speech therapy even is. They're people that have business degrees and they just want to get the money, right? They're hiring other people to do the therapy, but they don't know anything else. So um, I'm, I'm trying to help SLPs learn how to get the contracts, build, their, um, build up their business proposals, have the confidence to go out there and bid and scale their businesses like I have uh, thankfully been able to do through all of the research that I've done and just um, knowing how the whole game works. So in conclusion, tell us where we can find you. So you can find me on Instagram at Casa Speech underscore OT underscore AV. You can also find me if you're interested in learning more about school contracts at SLPs, contracts, the number two coins. And that's also on Instagram. So that's at SLPs, contracts, the number two coins. All right. And we'll put your other contact information in the show notes. Do you have a website? I do have a website. So our private practice website is www.casaspeechaz.com. And my coaching and consulting is www.contracts2coins4slps.com. Excellent. You are indeed a rock star. Jenna Castro-Caspon is the independent clinician guru who does everything private practice and that's where that reference comes from but you live up to it for sure well thank you so much maddie i've learned so much um over the past two years as a private practitioner and i hope that anyone who's listening to this podcast can just understand that you know if i can do this they can do it too um i had no idea i was going to get to this point like I mentioned you know the journey was definitely rough at times but you can do it you can do it if you put your mind to it thank you for your time Ebony thank you Maddie Today's conversation has created some aha moments for you and motivated you to become a better SLP, continuing to connect some of those missing links between what you know and how to use that knowledge. Thank you for downloading the missing link for SLP's podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to subscribe, rate it, and leave a short review. Also, please share an episode with a friend. Together, we can raise awareness and help more SLPs find and connect those missing links and get the information needed to help them feel confident in their patient care every step of the way. Follow me on Instagram and join the Fresh SLP community on Facebook. Show notes are always available, so come learn more at freshslp.com. Let's make those connections. You got this.